Thank you for tuning in to the Limitless Experience with Eric. Episode 4 of the third season kind of hit a turning point right now. For the first three episodes, I wasn't too sure of the show's direction. I mean, obviously, we saw that it was going to go and try to get deeper into what's going on in Chicago as far as kidnappings and things like that. But the show itself, in comparison to the last two seasons, to me at least, didn't have the same kind of intrigue to me. But this episode recaptured my interest and didn't let it go either. Episode 4 begins with a dream sequence by Dre, and she dreamt that Keisha, who's still missing by the way, was playing her music too loud, and when she asked her to turn it down, they bumped heads. Keisha then decided to leave the house, and immediately as she's leaving the house, she runs out into the street, and right before she's hit by a car, Dre wakes up in a, in a panic. Now, to me, if I want to play armchair psychologist or try to break that dream down, I would say that for some reason, it appears that Dre feels somewhat responsible for what happened to Keisha just from picking apart that dream alone. And um, who knows? I mean, maybe in some way she is responsible for it. Her being around the house and bumping heads with Keisha may have led to Keisha making decisions to be outside the house, possibly seeing an older man to, you know, an older man who would have his own apartment somewhere she can stay to get away from Dre. That's how I see it. Now, Dre and Keisha, for some reason, didn't ever seem to be on good terms with each other. Also in this dream, Dre saw a tattoo that Keisha had on her lower back that her mother did not know about. Now, at that moment, even though I know this is a dream, maybe this can be a revisitation of reality. At that moment, I feel like Dre had the perfect opportunity to gain Keisha's trust. She could have used the fact that she knew about the tattoo as leverage to help facilitate a friendship with Keisha. But instead, she insisted that Keisha fess up and tell her mother, which of course Keisha declined and ran outside and was almost struck by a car. Dre wakes up to an empty bed and goes into Keisha's room and sees Nina cleaning up Keisha's room in preparation for when she hopefully returns home. Now, just like any mother, Nina is not taking this well. She hasn't been doing good since Keisha's disappearance. And she has also been paying the private investigator a lot of money just to help find Keisha and money is running out and so is time. So something's gotta happen and it's gotta happen fast. Now, Ronnie was the last person to see Keisha before she disappeared. And he too has somewhat of a guilty conscience for multiple reasons. In his own words, he wants to prove to his grandmother that he's not a failure and that he can be a hero. And I believe he will be just that. Always felt like he had more information than what he offered Dre that night. And in this episode, my thoughts were proven correct. Ronnie breaks into a house where he believes Keisha is being kept and he sees some pictures and he takes pictures of those pictures with his cell phone. The house he broke into is a known rapist that he was locked up with. He didn't find Keisha inside that house, but he did find some incriminating pictures that that man had in his possession in that home. He takes that information back to Dre and convinces her to go run up on a chimo, child molester, who had the naked pictures of the underage girls. Now, two of them, one of him, and he still managed to get away. He knees Ronnie. Ronnie falls down to the ground, of course, scurries away from Dre, then jumps in his car and pulls off. Like, how's that freaking possible? That's If this was power, that would have been in my Ain't No Way segment. Like, the moment he hit Ronnie, Dre should have just grabbed him and, and slammed his ass on the ground. But, as I said back in the Ain't No Way segments... They got to do the magic of television. He got to get away to build up the intrigue. So he gets away 
And of course, they're going to catch up with him later. Now on to Kevin. Kevin is getting tougher and tougher each episode. He and his homies, Papa and Jake, were cleaning up Perry's pizzeria when two dudes came in and one of them had some slick shit they say about his sister. Without any hesitation, Kevin just cocked back and popped homie and dropped him to the floor. Now, like I said last episode, Kevin Gunn killed somebody this season. Mark my words, we've never seen this bold, short-tempered, easily triggered side of Kevin. He even pushed his homie Jake for climbing on his new friend Gemma from their school. Gemma's father is rich and has a very powerful influence in Chicago. After uncovering that, Jake gets the bright idea that Mr. St. John can help donate to Otis Perry's mayoral campaign, which would help catapult him to becoming the mayor of Chicago. Now, Duda did a great job at selling himself to Mr. St. James. <laughs> well, I said Mr. St. James. I mean Mr. St. John. But this is where power and the shy have similarities. You got a gangster, drug dealing killer running for office, but he actually has, you know, this dark side. Duda and Ghost are pretty much the same person. But as far as Otis Perry's mayoral campaign, he's going to have a tough time beating Camille Holloway for mayor. Camille Holloway is played by Lena Waithe, who is the Shy's creator and executive producer. Camille Holloway delivered an impassioned speech to the churchgoers who were at first reluctant, but by the end of the speech, they were all giving her a well-deserved standing ovation, and she did not come to play. It's time for us to stop playing the blame game and become the heroes we in here praying for. Now, my opponent, Otis or Duda or whatever he want to call himself this week, don't care about you. All he wants is a bigger office with a nice view. And to be real, that's what most politicians want. Shit. Even I believed everything Camille Holloway said. I wanted to register and vote in Chicago just to make sure she get it. But the funny thing about that is, after this whole speech was over and she changed the churchgoers' minds, or at least that's the way it appeared, Papa walked in on her, Camille Holloway, giving his father... Pastor Stanley Jackson, an envelope full of money. And that one little small scene right there, even though it's very, very small and very quick, told you a lot about how politics work. You got to get inside the church, hit the pastor off with something, get the church goers voting for you because that's how the black community go. They run the church and they do whatever the pastor tell them. The pastor can say, listen, you don't got to pay your rent this month. Give me the money. I'm going to give it to Jesus, and Jesus going to take care of you. And then sure enough, some old lady going to believe him and get that money right to the pastor. And the funny thing about that is a certain politician did something very similar. Use your Google search on Power 105, which is a New York radio station. She wanted to speak to the black community in hopes to get the black community's votes. Beyonce had a popular song out where she mentioned having hot sauce in the bag. Sure enough, this particular politician pulled hot sauce out of her purse right on the Power 105 radio show when she was running for office. She hasn't been to Power 105 radio station before that and hasn't been there since that. That lets you know how the politics are is straight filthy. But in 2020, I think we all know that. Now back to the Keisha side of things. Ronnie and Dre ran up on a Chimo again since they know where he lived at. And this time, they demand the answers from him and then let him go until he gave them answers up. They started to beat his ass like they should have done the first time, and homie coughed up the information they asked for. He told him to go to the 63rd Street Beach, which is a number you're going to hear a lot in this show, 6-3. 63rd Street Mob is Otis Perry's gang. 
Perry's Pizza has 63 flavors, so they're going to keep dropping the 63 here and there. So every time I hear 63 in the show, it's, it's funny to me. So they make their way over to the 63rd Street Beach. And as I said earlier, I felt like the dream that Dre had might have been a revisitation of reality. Because in reality, Keisha actually does have a lower back tattoo. And it helped them figure out whether or not the dead body found on the beach was that of Keisha's. Luckily for the Williams family, that was not Keisha. Keisha is not dead, or at least she hasn't been found dead yet. I do not believe Keisha will turn up dead. I believe she will be found, and I believe that Kevin will actually be the cause of it. They're building him up to be his sister's savior, and I think that's what he will do. He is going to find out where his sister is, and I'm telling you, I honestly believe, I'm going to predict this right here, right now, Kevin's going to kill somebody to save his sister, and at the same time, Ronnie can still be a hero because he is going to get those girls, those underage girls, freed and home to their parents from the information he uncovered at that Chimo's house. And as far as a recurring theme on this show that I said happens every episode, the Bad Decision Award for this episode goes to Emmett for listening to his damn daddy who has seven kids by five women and he gonna tell Emmett that maybe his girlfriend Tiffany is cheating on him. That wasn't the case and he should never listen to his damn daddy. He got seven kids by five baby mamas. His opinion about women is worthless. Luckily, he didn't listen to what his father said, and he made things right with Tiffany. That's it for this week's recap of The Shy. Tell a friend to tell a friend about this podcast. I got a lot more things coming for you guys. Follow me on Instagram at Limitless underscore E. Thank you for the support. Peace out. <laughs>